there's a brewery in in North Park I like to go to, and they have floppy disks on the wall. It's just a wall full of them, kind of like wallpaper. Hey, they're gonna make a comeback like vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love just the purity of the the sound of an MP3 playing through a diskette. You, you hear you hear the buzzing. Zzz, 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 zzz. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 151, the birthday edition, the 50th birthday edition of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, John Congdon. With me, my good birthday friend, Eric Van Johnson. Could could you could you let a few more people know it's my birthday, John? Would that be possible? Hey, if you didn't hear, yesterday was Eric's birthday. I think going on a different podcast would let more people know. <laughs> and doom and gloom himself tom right out <laughs> hey it's good to be here oh my goodness see that was a good opening that was so a tom, great tom, opening tom kicked it down <laughs> <Too much>. <laughs> thanks <laughs> what are you guys my what pleasure you guys been up to? i know eric's been out for a couple days I, th- I, I, yeah, I, I think there was a that. birthday or something involved. Is that what it was? <laughs> I haven't did heard little, anything about that. Did a little birthday celebrating. Uh, well, it, May is a, a very important month in our family. It's my wife's birthday. It's my birthday. It's our wedding anniversary. There's a lot going on in May. So we have a tendency to, to just kind of bulk everything together and kind of just do, not necessarily for any one individual, but we kind of just do things throughout the month. Uh and so yeah, we uh, we drove up to LA uh, yesterday. Man, I tell you what, I I don't understand how people live up in LA. I don't understand how people get around in LA. The traffic up there is so horrendous. I barely understand how you do it in San Diego. Still, there's no yeah. traffic in San Diego. What are you talking it's... about? Especially if you don't get on the freeway, there's no traffic. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, went up to LA. We went went to. Um, a restaurant slash grocery store that my wife absolutely loves called Italy. Uh, there's like one. There's a couple in New York. I guess there's one in Chicago and uh, there's one in L.A. So we did that. Uh, actually, as as it turned out, the the timing worked out really well. I had a, a friend of the show, Matt Lance, was coming down. He was actually going to Joshua Tree uh, for a wedding. Huh. And I know John just just was at Joshua Tree yep. recently. But uh, he was coming down, but when he heard it was my birthday, and he had heard the wife and I uh, were going up to L.A., he you know, rearranged the schedule so that he was in L.A. He basically came in a day early to L.A., stayed the night there, and then they drove out to Joshua Tree today. So it was nice uh, because we, we met up for lunch. Uh, I got to meet his new wife, um, and uh, I'm trying to remember her name. It escapes me now. It's Cassandra. I was like, Apache, Apache, uh, Cassandra, that's it. <laughs> I was just so loved um, to great, hear how you remember person. her name. <laughs> uh, so we spent we spent the day with them. And, and then the weirdest thing happened. Um, so I, I we decided to stay the night up in L.A. So we didn't have to drive down. It's only like a three-hour drive, a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive. It's, it's really not that bad. But, you know, because we were celebrating, because we wanted to do some drinking, we just decided to stay up there the night. So we ended up driving over to Santa Monica and staying over in that area because I, I really like that that area. As it turns out, we have a Diego dev developer who lives in that area. So I mentioned to him on Slack, I'm like, hey, we're going to be in Santa Monica. Would you be interested in meeting up for breakfast uh, this morning, uh, the, the next day? He's like, yeah, sure. So when we left uh, Matt and Cassandra, they were staying more downtown. They wanted to do some of the touristy things in downtown. But we, we mentioned, I'm like, you know, Santa Monica Pier is a big, big tourist thing, and Venice Beach is right over there. So if, uh, if you're interested, you know, come on over tonight, and we'll go you know, do dinner as well. But, you know, I had forgotten that they flew in from the East Coast, basically. They flew in from Toronto. And they were working off like an hour's sleep over the last 24 hours. So they, they, went, they, went, home, they went back to the hotel and went to sleep. So the next morning, this morning comes up, and we're meeting the developer, uh, Keith, for uh, for breakfast. And 
you know, my wife, Beck, asked me, she goes, so we didn't hear from Matt and Cassandra. I'm like, nah, they probably went to sleep or whatever. And, and didn't really think anything else about it. And uh, we, we're, we're walking to where we're having breakfast. It's only like a half mile from the hotel. We're walking to, to this restaurant. And my wife's like, um, is that Matt and Cassandra? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm looking down the street. And I don't have my glasses on. And I'm looking down the street. And I'm like, eh, it can't be them. Why would they be walking in the middle of Santa Monica? If anything, they'd be on the beach because that's where all the tourists are. We're we're like up with the restaurants and all. And all of a sudden, I see Matt point at me. I'm like, holy crap, it's them. <laughs> and it was like the most random thing. We ran into them walking around Santa Monica. So so we swoop them up. We go meet uh, Keith at this restaurant. We have uh, we have breakfast together. It was a good time. Awesome. But I had a great time. It was a great great little way to celebrate birthday for you know friends who actually care about me and want to spend time with me as opposed to other people who take vacations so they don't have to see me and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so yes, good birthday. Thank you very much. Big big five zero. I'm fifty. Wow. So uh, you know, eat it right there. Boom. <laughs> I just noticed. Is that why you're holding your shirt before? I wasn't even paying attention. You didn't That's, pick up on no, that. I did not. 1969, all original parts. <laughs> Don't necessarily have all my parts, but what I do have, everything's original. <laughs> uh, so you were just at Joshua Tree, weren't you, John? What were you doing uh, there? Wife and I went and celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. So we went to Palm Springs, actually, and drove to Joshua Tree one day just to do a little hiking out there. Someplace that what you think? N- neither of us had been to before, and but have wanted to see. We went and checked it out. Had a blast. Was it worth the worth the Definitely. drive? Definitely. Can't wait to go back and do some more hiking because the national park is huge. It, it's ridiculously large. When we made the the arrangements to go there, we're like, oh, it's only forty five minutes from Palm Springs. It's some place that she's wanted to. That's been on her list to see. So that's how we actually chose Palm Springs. And then when we actually chose a hike and put it in while we're in Palm Springs, no, it's an hour and a half to the hiking trail that we want to go to. (laughs) So it was three hours of driving, uh, about three hours of hiking. But it was a really good time. We were so happy we did it. And then we did other hikes in Palm Springs, literally down the street from our hotel. We were able to, to go up in the mountains right there. Again, do another, uh, th- I think, three-mile hike. Took took about two and a half hours. Really nice, steep inclines. It was great. But I have a funnier story. And, and I, Good. I, well, ironically enough, uh, my daughter Alyssa was actually in Palm Springs the night oh, really? before. And she was supposed she was supposed to stay there. She was supposed to stay there through the weekend. Um. So I told her, I'm like, you know, there, there's a chance you might run into John and Jackie. Just act like you don't know them. <laughs> that would have been funny. What's your, fun, what's your funnier so, story? My wife is very particular about hotels. So nine, okay, let's be real. Ten times out of ten, she books the hotel. And she chose one. She did a bunch of research, reviews. And she goes, it's a little different than I'd normally pick. It's, you know, it's a little brighter, blah 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 we get there and we're like yeah this is a little little crazy you know there's people young younger people walking around drinking as we're checking in oh god get into the get into the get into the room (laughs) get into the room and it's way smaller than you would expect and we have a pool view room which you couldn't see the pool at all the way it's set up. So it's ridiculous that they call it a pool view room. Beside the point. We're getting ready. Why would you want to see the pool? It's not that we wanted to, but they called it a pool view room. Yeah. <laughs> and then while we're getting ready, we're like, okay, we're just going to go relax by the pool. That's all we really want to do in Palm Springs. You can hear the the music just blaring from the pool. We get down there. Not a place to sit. The pool is packed with people you would think it was a vegas pool party there was just everyone drinking is just ridiculous so we 
We're like, uh, 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 completely out of our element. Are we going to stay here? What are we doing? Yeah, we hightailed it out of there. <laughs> I went and talked to the, the front desk. I'm like, yeah, what's your refund policy? And, you know, he asked, he asked me what's wrong. I'm like, yeah, this isn't our scene. <laughs> Too many young people. Yeah, man. Just wait. I get it. Just wait until your kids I... turn into those young people. Yeah. I, I'm I'm having dinner at four thirty in the afternoon now, man. I'm I understand. I understand. Yeah, how am I supposed to get to bed at eight thirty with all this racket? It was such a great getaway, though. We're so happy to be out for a few days. I'm trying to get get our little active speaker uh, uh, thing going here. So, how are you, Thomas? What are you up to? Well. After three months in the making, I finally gave my presentation on GraphQL. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I missed an SDPHP meetup, too. Damn it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an okay turnout for our meetup. It was uh, six people, I believe. Um, but the interesting thing was when I got there, uh, the first thing that the guy running the meetup Brian said was hey how do you feel about taking over the meetup <laughs> and I said I don't know I'd have to talk to my wife about that that's an obligation what? Aren't, aren't you already one of the organizers I was helping out I was I was doing little things but I wasn't like doing the communication with uh, the the group that buys the pizza and I wasn't dealing with the website or anything. I was just advising mostly. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's moving. Oh, really? He he quit his job and got a new job and is moving out to Arizona. So I don't think he's going to make Arizona. the drive. Arizona. <laughs> Slacker. The, the kitty litter box of the U.S., Arizona. I should say that. Arizona is a nice, nice enough place. For some people. Yeah, if you like it. <laughs> I don't. I can't get these windows. These windows are all over the place. If anybody anybody else out there uses your OBS, can you tell me the secret of keeping a window, once you resize it, from whacking out on me, I would, uh, I would appreciate that very much. Here, I'll go back to our standard view. So, besides that, uh, everything went pretty well. I uh, was was happy with the presentation. It came out to just exactly an hour. Um, some some good people showed up, had some good conversations. That's, that's a that's a. I mean, I tell you, if you have GraphQL, if you have a talk within an hour range, if you could shave maybe ten minutes off of it, there that's a conference talk. There, man, you can start submitting. You probably need at least one more good talk to to. To submit, but that's a good talk, man. You should think about uh, putting that together and, and submitting to some conferences. I know I was, uh, PHP World just thinking about did a call it, for paper. I just PHP World. It was it was daunting enough after three months of preparation to stand up and do it. I don't know that I want to do that again. I mean, it's not a topic mm -hmm. that I'm an expert in, and I left out a lot of intermediate and advanced stuff. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. It's. I mean, I definitely love so using what's it. What's the future of uh, What's the future of Colorado Springs PHP Meetup, though? I think I'm going to take it over and uh, cut down the frequency, just for my own sanity's sake. Maybe do bi-monthly or tri-monthly. Okay. Uh, we don't have a lot of people. And it's not a very enthusiastic crowd. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to see how that pans out. Um, mm. But, you know, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely do something with it, I think. Uh, cool. Maybe just the annual peak <laughs> PHP meetup. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I have a correction to issue. We were talking about the short 
closures last week. We we were, yeah, that was a big topic. And upon listening back to the uh, podcast while editing it, uh, I realized I got the scope stuff completely wrong. Don't you hate that about editing? I, 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 it drives me crazy when I edit and I hear myself say something wrong, which is quite frequently, actually. Well, I'm like, oh, man. It wasn't the worst thing I had done last week's podcast. I also uh, changed my opinion halfway through a sentence and claimed that I was just being devil's advocate. But, in fact, I, I was completely contradicting myself. <laughs> what's, what's, what's topic was that? Uh, this was about the removal of short tags. Short opens. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the way the scope works upon a second reading for uh, the short closures is that everything that is available, made available to the scope is passed by variable, not passed by reference. So you can access a variable defined outside of the short closure, but you cannot change it outside the closure. It's a totally different mean, instance of the mean variable. inside the closure? Yes. Inside the closure, you can access the variable, you can modify it, but it won't modify the original globally scoped version. Gotcha. Yeah, I, re- I remember us talking about that. So that'll that. help save I, some headaches, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So again, you don't have to pass the individual variables into the closure. They're accessible to you, but, they, but they're but they immutable outside of the closure, right? Right. Like, you can change them inside the closure, but outside the closure, it's still the right. same. Gotcha. Um, and defining new variables within the closure will not define them out of the closure. Got you. That's important to know. Yes. So it's it's essentially mm-hmm. the same as we use closures now, except that you can't pass by reference even if you want to, from what I can tell. I thought it Which I, I like you back down, Eric? I could have sworn I just saw that you could. References references are allowed. Let's go back up a little bit. References are allowed, both for an argument as both, both well, for argument syntax, isn't it? And as return values. So, so uh, Thomas needs to issue another correction. <laughs> uh. <laughs> don't do that. Don't 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 so, do what they show you how to do. <laughs> You're asking for trouble if you do. But but... How do you how do you pass? Uh, I don't see an example of them passing. It's, it's an ampersand it's... in front of the dollar sign. It's, so that's the re, that's oh, the that re, well, that's oh. the return. And right. then that's ampersand return, in front okay. of the variable would be passed by reference as a variable. Okay. But like Hideous. you said, don't do it. Asking for trouble. Go, go. Uh, as Eric mentioned, we had SDPHP right. last night, and we had a really good turnout. We we had, I want to say. rub it in. Yeah, I will. Well, it's, it's <laughs> also way better than our normal crowd. So we, I think we had 25 people. Uh, handful. We wow. had like three or four brand new people that hadn't been there before. One guy actually, on the second Wednesday of every month, Drives to Poway for a, a different meetup. <laughs> yeah. No kid. What meetup do they have in Poway? I forget what it is. He's he's a uh, drafter by trade, and I didn't really clarify. He just said in his role he has picked up PHP recently, so he's not in techs mm-hmm. per se. Uh, he's using he's using mm-hmm. PHP because a lot of people are using Excel, and there's a lot of copy and paste. So he's trying to centralize all the data into a database and php is basically just his gateway from the web front end to to the database mm-hmm. so the the topic last night was way over his head i'm talking to him what was the topic uh, frank wallen did a topic i uh, did a presentation on event sourcing 
Oh, yes. Frank would know. Frank has been doing a lot of event sourcing yeah. lately. And he did an awesome job. He's got a really good speaking style to a crowd. Very laid back, very conversational when talking. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing he does a lot, which is <laughs> I find funny, is his glasses on and off. So looking at the screen, his glasses on. As soon as he starts talking, it's off. And like I was totally consumed by his move of glasses off, click, click on his <laughs> the armbands. And then two seconds later, open it back up, put them on. Well, I, I happen uh, to know that he does practice some very effective relaxation techniques before speaking. Does he? He did a, a great job, and it was a good turnout. Like I said, that that guy that was a new developer, he didn't know what event sourcing was, and the topic just way way over his head. He was, I think, he left very confused. That's always one of the that's always one of the challenges with the meetups is you you want to you want to offer enough for advanced developers, but also the new people, and trying to find that balance, especially when you're only meeting once a month, trying to find that balance can really be challenging. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I remember when we had we had two meetups. We went to uh, the downtown and then the North County meetup. We tried to balance which one was the advanced one and which one was the beginner level one. And even trying to do that, then it didn't it didn't pan out well. It was just too hard to organize. This one's for advanced people. Yeah, yeah. And location is tricky because San Diego's so spread out. So trying to get trying to get a consistent yeah. user base is not easy. Like I said, happy with the turnout. Good, good overall discussion. Good time. That was a, that was actually one of the things I did like about the Laravel meetup. When we had the Laravel meetup, we had a pretty consistent crowd. Like it was always, it always seemed like it was the same people plus or minus a couple new people. Yeah, it was the know? Diego Dev employees plus or minus two people. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> Okay, screw you guys. That's right, because Diego Dev hired all the Laravel developers That's and all right. the good Laravel developers in San Diego. I did. I did have a good conversation with uh, one of the, the the people who attended about my use of and dislike for Laravel at this point. Um, <laughs> and he was he was absolutely shocked that Laravel doesn't follow Semver. And couldn't couldn't believe it and i had to give him examples of of backwards breaking minor revisions and patch revisions and rollbacks of patches that broke stuff and it's man i just i'm i'm so yeah. done i'm so done with the ecosystem <laughs> yeah we have a a potential new client reaching out to us about upgrade paths and um yeah, you know, we're going to probably do some evaluation for them just to kind of give them an idea of, of what they're really up against. Uh, because, you know, like you said, it's not as it's not as clear cut. And uh, and there are a few, I, I believe there are a few versions behind, including a, a major version behind. So, so this should be, it should be interesting to, to kind of discuss with them to really help them put in perspective what's what's on the road ahead of them. Saw a tweet from Taylor this week, too. Said uh, that he saw somebody putting final on one of their migration classes. And that they really drank all the PHP Kool-Aid by doing that. (laughs) And I just thought, what a dick thing to say about a a force of habit. (laughs) Like, you're supposed to be in the habit of declaring your classes final. We've we've talked about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? I, I have never. I've never used final. I've never yeah, done it's it. We, but yeah. It's it's the arguments for doing it makes sense. It's not a bad thing to do, and it's just a slight tweak to your your coding style that doesn't impact anything negatively, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so people. Give, give, can you can you give listeners an example of where you'd use final? You would want to use final if you were writing something that had business logic in it that needed to be. Uh, assured that it wouldn't be extended out of correct functionality. So if you're calculating your taxes, uh, your tax class should definitely be final. You don't want someone saying, well, 
I need to use the tax class, but I don't like the way it handles it for California. It's that's business logic. That's not your decision. Um, and there have been arguments in the past about making almost all of your classes final because it's your intention to for those to be the endpoints of that logic. Most of the work we're doing is business logic, so it should be final classes. And unless you're writing a library, you know, that you intend, unless, unless you intend for something to be extended, it should be final. So that's the whole logic mm -hmm. behind final by default, is that if you don't put final by default, you're saying that this is extensible by default, and nothing I do is ex extensible by default, unless it's a specific traits for searching and stuff like that. So it's just something that you're supposed to get into that habit too because it helps reinforce the intentions behind what you were doing in the first place. And, and the idea is another developer takes over a code base or works within a code base, they understand this is the end of the line. Like it, the code doesn't, you can't extend the code anymore from right. here. As does the IDE. The IDE, if you're using final, is going to have helpers that make sure that stuff that shouldn't show up doesn't show up or stuff that shouldn't be extended throws red flags. So it's a good habit to get into, and, and yeah, no one is going to be extending your migration, but that's why you should put final on your migration, because no one should extend a migration. And who doesn't want to drink some Kool-Aid? <laughs> yeah, Kool-Aid's exactly. delicious. And who doesn't like Kool-Aid? Yeah, exactly. Also, for accuracy's sake, the whole drink the Kool-Aid term is a misnomer. It's a reference to the uh, Jim Jones cult, and yeah. they very specifically did not drink Kool-Aid. They drank a store brand drink. Technicality. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, if we're cool. if we're talking about a post being pedantic, I might as well be pedantic about the pedantic reference. <laughs> okay. Hey, what was also with his other tweet about Voltron or Vol whatever? Belcher. Venom, vapor, vapor, vulture, vapor. <laughs> I was closer with my venom reference than you were. <laughs> we're not going to talk about vapor. Good. There's not nothing to talk yeah. about. I, I I stated stated last year. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feed into this hype engine that they try to build around an unknown product. So it's whatever he's releasing in Laricon. They're trying to build up some. So hype he's calling it, it vapor. As in vaporware? You know what? Now that I say it out loud, I might be wrong. Doesn't matter. Let's I, I really sorry have I brought not... it up. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, I really have not been following it at all, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> That's one reason I I mean I'm still not a big fan of Laricon. I'd much rather go to tech or one of the other conferences. Yeah, you know I'm so torn on that. Um I I I enjoy Laricon more for the people I, I interact with. Uh, the talks, I can kind of take or leave. Like, especially like last year, or maybe the last couple of years, I've noticed, like, it seems to be fewer and fewer Laravel-focused talks at Laricon, which I don't know. Not a fan of. I am where, again, you talk about... Uh, um, Correcting yourself, Thomas, earlier. Um, I, uh, I where I used to be a huge fan of the single track uh, approach uh, that Laricon has. I, I've definitely started not liking it anymore because, again, so many talks is just like I don't care about this talk. You know, I understand. You know, this is one of the Laravel elite, and people won't. You know, they want to hype this person up or whatever. I don't care what this person has to say anymore. They, they're yeah. not, they're not, they're, you know, talking about some random thing. And that's the thing. It's like with Laricon is also, I, I think they have call for papers. I'm pretty sure they have call for papers, but they also have their standard speakers as well, where, you know, the, the speakers will even say, Oh, Taylor, you know, asked me what I was going to talk about at Laricon this year. So I had to come up with something. It's like, dude, if you don't want to talk at Laricon, then don't talk <laughs> at Laricon. You know, why don't you, there's plenty of people doing things in the community that have a lot to contribute. Let them come and talk about what they're doing. But so, 
so yeah, I, I'm the the single track is is getting it's getting to be a struggle, but the people I enjoy more, and I don't know why that is because I mean. The people at the at PHP Tech, at PHP World, at just about any PHP conference are all very welcome, very open. Um, I don't know. I, I I have I have more connections. I mean, there are people I look forward to seeing at uh, Laracon, like you know, again, Sean and Matt from Larachat and J Mac. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll run into and Freck and you know all these people who I've who I've built up somewhat of a relationship with, and that's like the one time of year I, I see them. Um, so I don't know that that just seems to have formulated more for me with Laracon than than the other conferences. But I also have have gone to any other conference as consistently as I've gone to Laracon. So I don't know. I like Laracon. I still like Laracon. I I I I I, I won't apologize for it anymore, John. Piss off. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys... What about you, Thomas? How do you guys feel about Microsoft? You know? Yeah, exactly. Again, coming around. I'm coming around on it. Uh, Two two big things. Um, This week, they launched their new Windows terminal. Uh... Okay. The, Let's talk about that one. Let me. I'm, I was going to. Uh, oh, this, you you linked to a video. I did. I, I can't share a video. I mean, I can't share a video. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Do it. I dare you. I'm going to throw that. Up. Maybe you dare me. What's the I, dare? I don't know. <laughs> it's Thomas we're talking about. You never know what he links to. <laughs> well, this is true. You really don't. Uh. What happened? Oh, I lost my uh, <gasps> email. I lost my little thing here. There we go. Um, so. so the, I mean, the first interesting thing is, of course, they released it on GitHub. So, so, so this is available now. This is what I wasn't clear about. This 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 new terminal is available yep, now. Available right now. Um, it's on the Windows okay. the Windows Store, which, I mean, that's garbage. But besides that. Uh, it's available for download. Um, the source code is available and it supports, uh, the standard windows console as well as PowerShell, um, PowerShell core, uh, Ubuntu WSL, OpenSUSE WSL and Debian WSL. So you can just switch between environments on tabs in their terminal it's very pretty that is pretty cool yeah but it's it's linux it's this whole wsl thing that we've we've kind of brushed on in the past and they need to do more research before we talk about it at length but i'm very curious in the direction that windows is is going um microsoft seems to be saying Windows is not our product anymore. Windows is a thing that we make, but it's not what Microsoft is. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, the Windows division of Microsoft was disbanded a while back. So there is no... I uh, did not know that. Yeah, there is no Windows division of Microsoft. Hmm. It's, it's hmm. a software development division that handles Windows as well as many other projects, but it's not a just Windows division anymore. Um, this has allowed this kind of project to develop because when somebody in the Windows department said, I've got an idea for uh, a new terminal that fits all these needs that people have been asking for, they were told they can't because uh, secondary applications are handled by a different de- department and... There aren't enough developers currently available to work on that, so we need you to keep working on this core feature set that we don't really care about and sucks. And with with the disbanding of the Windows department, they've expanded to the number of developers that are supporting Windows applications as well as the Windows system itself. Um, it's been it's been crazy. I mean, and this combines with their their purchase of GitHub and their embracing of the open source. Uh, environment, uh, including the WSL, and then at another level, virtual machine support 
with direct access to the kernel being baked into Windows Server. Uh, they've, they're really turning directions. Yeah, it's fun. I so remember, I mean, this was years ago when, when, when Windows was the desktop. And before OS X or OS X, and everybody pretty much used Windows across the board. And I was still, you know, plugged along with my little Linux installs and having an argument with uh, a, a friend who didn't understand the power of the command line. And they were, well, they understood the power of the command line, but they were like, they, 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 they were pretty adamant about the fact five years from now, there will be no more command line terminal on a system. Everything is GUI. Everything is GUI. Nothing you should do in the system should not have a GUI interface to it. And I mean, for years, I thought he was, I, I thought he was right from Windows. I'm like, Windows, Windows is going to do away with the command line. I, I, I just, I felt like, not that it was ever very powerful in Windows and not that anybody ever used it, but I thought for sure that they, they were going to, I agreed with him. I'm like, I think you're right. I, I think I can see Windows removing a terminal, but, uh, but now to see it come like now to see the emphasis that Windows is putting on this terminal now and how many people are embracing it. And, and to, I mean, you have a whole another segment of system users who are starting to understand the power of under, of learning command line uh, commands and what they can do. And, and it's really cool, man. I, well, uh, I'm happy it's, and, how this has played out. And not just that, but it's interesting to me that you can just open a tab that gives you an Ubuntu VM that has access to the same file system as the Windows machine that's currently running, and you can do all the Ubuntu stuff that you want to. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're not reliant on there being a Windows build of something that you need. You can now start running the Linux development version of Perl or PHP or whatever. You can you can do some incredible stuff. Um, it's gonna make and it makes me. So when 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 are you getting your Windows machine? I I think I'm gonna ask for a Windows license for this machine that I did get uh, next week because I I want to try this out. It makes sense. And and I'm having a shit terrible time with this laptop still <laughs> it should make running docker a lot easier too right because i always hear problems with docker on windows yeah docker on windows now is just there it has direct kernel level access it's actually incredibly fast um it's it's very smooth i can't i wish they would change their mount points i wish they'd do away with the whole you know acd thing nobody uses a anymore <laughs> come on that's true. <laughs> yes. Hey, man, did I, did I mention I'm 50 years old now? 50! Do you have any, do you have any of those 3D printed drive. save buttons within arm's reach? Huh? The, the, the save icon? Save icon? What are you there's, about? there's plenty of young developers out there who, upon seeing a an actual floppy disk, think it's like a coaster designed to look like the save icon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? 1.4 megabytes of uh, raw data, 1.44 if you're lucky, baby. Yeah. That's right. Slack, Slackware was like 25 disks, man. <laughs> Holy Used crap. to back, backing up, inserting new disks every few minutes. Yeah. 50 years old! It's- I remember There's this. There's a brewery in, in North Park I like to go to, and they have floppy disks on the wall. It's just a wall full of them, kind of like wallpaper. Hey, they're going to make a comeback like vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love just the purity of the, the sound of an MP3 playing through a diskette. You, you, hear, you hear the buzzing. Yeah. Yes. No, the zip, the zip disk nothing, would come back fighting. first. The, the I love the zip disk. The, the click of death. <laughs> yeah, I love the zip disk. That was a, that was a game changer, man. Yep. The zip disk, and then what was the jazz drive? Zip disk, and then the jazz drive was a 
was a gigabyte. The zip was a hundred megs, yep. I think, and the jazz drive was a gigabyte. There was an there was oh, an man, intermediary used... one that was the size of your head. It was just a, <laughs> it was a disc me. this big. Uh, uh, the other big thing for Microsoft this week is that they they're launching their Visual St- Who's excited about this? Hmm? I said, who's excited about this? Visual Studio Sorry. Online. An online mm-hmm. code editor intended to streamline the local to remote development process. So if you recall correctly, we discussed a few shows back about uh, they released how you can run Visual Studio Code on a server. And... Um, we were talking about it, and I, I we were talking about the pros and cons of it, right? Um, let me pull that up here. Here we go. Uh, about the pros and cons of, you know, like a shop like we have onboarding developers and those developers now being able to do productive development using something like a Chromebook. Or, you know, being able to standardize on that tool now by having them log in. And the issue we ha- I had with the Visual Studio Code I, and I never, I we didn't implement it because it looked like it was like a one-to-one deployment. Like you deployed it, it opened up a port, you assigned a username and password to that port, and it was one person can use it. There weren't multiple people. But it made it very clear that this was possible. So I, I figured it was only a matter of time before somebody launched it. And I'm really happy to see it was Microsoft that did it because who else would you want? You know, releasing something like this, but are you talking about this year or five years ago? Because five years ago, I would have said, "Screw Microsoft, I hate them." I know it's, it's no, a bizarre, bizarre world. So this is a full fledged, and I didn't read this article. I actually, I actually just saw this article when when I was queuing up the stuff for the uh, show today. So I haven't seen this article, haven't read this article, but assuming that this relates to the stuff we already know. I assume it, it follows the same standards of you can you can all the same plugins, the same themes, the same workflows. Everything can be implemented here. So this is big, man. This is really There's big. There's something else I mean, implemented here too, though. What's that? They've implemented uh, at some point this week IntelliCode. Have you seen this at all? It's been IntelliCode's been there. I thought it has IntelliCode not always been part of Visual Studio. IntelliCode was IntelliSource. Uh, oh, oh God! I lost my article. IntelliSense. Um, and it was included in Visual Studio, but not Visual Studio Code. Uh, so it's now available in Visual Studio Code, and it supports uh, Java, JavaScript, TypeScript, and Python. And it is an AI-assisted programming aid. Uh, Mm -hmm. It says here that that Microsoft has trained it by feeding it the code of thousands of open-source projects from GitHub that have at least 100 stars. Interesting. And I believe the the biggest implication here is that when you want to do something and you don't have a library that can do that, IntelliCode will figure out that you're trying to do something and suggest a library and how to use it. Hmm. And this is this is available in VS Code in general, or just this the online is available version? in VS Code in general and should be available in the online version once the online version leaves the private uh, testing stage. Do we? Uh, do we? Oh, so I just clicked on the link there. So, yeah, uh, Visual Studio is even going to include the live share uh, function that we were mm-hmm. raving about uh, not too long ago. Wow. Do we know if there's going to be a cost associated to it this? It doesn't appear to be because it's under the VS Code brand, which is the, the free brand. Browser-based web companion? I yeah, mean, I'm not seeing anything about a cost. Wow, that's going to be huge. I really think this is a big deal because the my development tools are one of the things that keep me tied to 
a, a real system. And I, I've always said that I would never give up my laptop because I, I, I will always need development tools and there'll never be development tool, good enough development tools online. And Visual Studio Code could could change my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to try this out. I, I liked what I saw in Visual Studio Code. And I mean, I feel like I owe Microsoft an apology and another another try. <laughs> also, like thousands of dollars. Well, I... <laughs> uh, uh, I'm excited to see how you how your transition works here, uh, Thomas. Um, especially with the hardware. Like, I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious how big of a difference you see in the hardware just between uh, Ubuntu, I believe, is what you're running currently. Yes. And Windows. So if, if Windows is if Windows still to this day is uh, agile enough to just take on any hardware that's thrown at it and optimize the OS for it. So it's been so long since I've used it. I, I really don't even know what that's like anymore. I'll, I'll let you know when I find out. I'm, I want to give it a shot. So, so we'll see. Um, I will tell you one of the things I, I discussed last week is I, I was, I was having some issues with synergy and I believe that it was just some IO issues or some locking issues and I was looking that stuff up today and found that somebody forked the original Synergy project and is dedicated to maintaining it in its original scope. Mm. Not the Synergy 2 feature set, not trying to sell anything. They're just maintaining and releasing a, a classic Synergy, if you will. Uh, and it's called Barrier. Barrier. So if you if you search for Synergy Barrier on Google, you'll find the GitHub page for it. Uh, they use Flatpak for distribution. Wow! I, so th th there's another technology we haven't talked much about. Flatpak. That's um, the first I've heard of it, and apparently they switched over to Flatpak like weeks ago. Interesting. And this is this is meant to run on Windows and uh, Windows and OS X as well. Windows, OS X, Linux, FreeBSD. And so, what is Flatback? I have not heard of it yet. Uh, so it's go ahead, Thomas. I, I'll, I'll let you explain it. I believe that it is a universal package manager that is platform agnostic. So you can release a version of something that is Windows, Linux, and uh, OS X and Flatpak on each of those versions will specify what OS it's running and Flatpak will say, okay, here's the version you should install and install it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it does more than that too. I think it actually, I think it actually runs like, it's, it, they're almost like Docker installs where they're running in their own, uh, their own namespace, right? Everything is like sandboxed. I... <laughs> You're putting me in a corner here. Well, you don't. You're allowed yeah, to I say don't, I don't. I don't, I don't know okay. enough about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just. I, I had. I had heard about it in passing. Uh, I know it was is real big in um, some of the Linux communities uh, because, like you said, it, it was supposed to be this easier way to distribute packages. And um, but yeah, I don't know enough about it, so I, I should probably not talk about it. Uh, there's there's a lot of very popular projects that are. Distributed via Flatpak, um, GIMP, LibreOffice, um, Minecraft, if you believe that, uh, Inkscape, Blender, RuneScape. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty much like a standard now. Like, uh, like uh, whoever whoever's managing that project, whenever applications uh, get get created, they either it's something that you can package up yourself. It's pretty easy to do. Or they'll reach out to the the developer and say, "Hey, you know, don't don't lose this uh, distribution stream. Let me explain to you how to make this a flat pack." But I didn't I didn't realize it could run on other OSs. That that was the only thing I I was I thought that was it was a Linux specific thing. So I have to do more. Obviously, need to do more looking into it. 
Yeah, and they have a flathub.org site, which acts as the uh, sort of senior repository, similar way that uh, Packagist works. So if you're looking for something to be, you know, to use Flatpak, search there first. It's cool. Hmm. All right. What else we got? Uh, you want to talk about the new, the newly accepted RFC for PHP 7.4? I mean, you know, we've been talking development, man. Why the hell not? Very proud. I'm really proud of the direction the show's taken. Uh, do, after do you guys know about episodes. the spread operator? I have heard of it. I do not know enough about it. I have not even heard of it. I, what is a spread operator? This this actually like, goes oh, into yeah. something I dealt with today. The dot, 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 right? Um, yeah, so if you're defining a, a function, you can define the arguments as dot, 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 and then a variable name, and the person calling the function can, can pass in an unlimited number of arguments that way mm -hmm. that gets assigned to that array. Um, I've used it. I always forget the name of it. The, it's, it's more commonly called argument unpacking. Uh, but this new RFC applies it to defining arrays. Uh, previously, if you have two arrays, you would have to do an array merge or what I do, which is an array addition. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen that. Yes, you, you can actually literally do a plus between arrays. Yeah, so if you do a plus between arrays, it'll just merge them together. Um, and I use that for defining options in a dropdown all the time, uh, where I have my my default option, which is please select an option, and then I have the options that are generated dynamically by accessing the database. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's supposed to be more efficient than actually using array merge for some reason. Yeah, for some small tokenization definition thing i don't know but now when you're defining an array the example they give here is they've created an array that says parts equals array uh, apple and pear and then fruits equals array banana orange and then dot 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 parts and then watermelon and what this will result in is inserting the first array right into the second array, right where you've defined it. So it will read banana, orange, apple, pear, watermelon. Uh, previously, there was literally no way to inject into the middle of an array in this way. Well, there is. You just need to make banana, orange its own array, watermelon its own array, and merge them together. Right. So you it's would have just, to have three. Yeah. You'd have to have four arrays as your final value versus two. Right. Um, it's, it's pretty slick. Uh, but the, the bigger thing that it has over array merging or plus is that it allows use of iterable interfaces as well. So if you have an object that returns a default iterable type, then you can just drop that object into an array and it will become part of it as its array values. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, this. So, but this is this is just an RFC, right? I mean, this is they're just putting this up for vote. Yeah, uh, it's passed its vote today, literally today, and is going to be in seven point four. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Um, it's the, I don't believe the code has been merged in yet because voting ended hours ago. <laughs> but uh, there's a pull request; it'll be merged in probably in two or three days. And for me, this is this is nice because when I've been doing work with the iterables that come out of uh, Laravel collections, you have to say to array if you're going to use the plus method that I use. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. I don't have to do that. Now I can just say open array default value dot, dot, dot the collection 
close value, and that's the whole thing. Are you are you sure you? I don't think you'll be able absolutely to do that. because. It will be called as an iterable interface instead of as an object. The, the plus sign doesn't try to call it as an iterable interface. It tries to add two things together. And if they're both arrays, then it will be able to do it. Uh, I'm going to have to see that work. That would be, that would be very cool if, that, if it does it, work that I, way. It's going to work that way. And it's, it's going to clean up a, a fair amount of my admin interface code for sure. Yeah, that's that's gonna be cool. That'll be cool. And I'm just okay. I'm just uh, generally so excited about all of the RFCs getting approved, all of the new stuff that's gonna advance PHP. I mean, it feels like we're moving at breakneck speed right now. Having grown up, I mean, this is my twentieth year of developing in PHP. You know, you uh, we we're getting some feedback. People are feeling like you're too happy <laughs> that that your doom and gloom has uh, has left the show, and and you know people are upset. About I'm not this. one of those people, but maybe I did notice. I did notice maybe that. I maybe I can interject some doom and gloom here. No, I I really don't think this is doom and gloom, but I do I do want to ask turn it an on opinion you. from you guys. No, no, no. I don't think you will. I, I, all right. That's a challenge. We'll see how it goes. But we are we are approaching an hour. We're doing a good job at keeping keeping our little shows nice and tight now. So I want to want to continue. I know you guys are big fans of a video game that we've talked about in the past many times, and they were recently bought by another company, Epic, uh, the creators of Fortnite. So Fortnite purchased Rocket League. Opinions, thoughts. I, I'll say my first opinion is that people are assholes. So of course they're review bombing it on. Well, Steam. if you, if you, if you, uh, if you watch the latest in uh, games and watch Fortnite, you know people are assholes. They they are very clear on that. Uh, oh, people were, people were common. Bombing it on Steam. Yeah. What's that mean? Uh, the Steam review is a, a collective system, and people get upset about company policies or things like that, so they start bombing the reviews on the product. And, I mean, the thing is, people are upset because the Epic Store is good for developers, but it's bad for players. Right, because things like Fortnite is it's not on Steam. Right, right. Um, but the the big deal is that Epic takes twelve percent of all revenue for things sold on their store, whereas Steam takes in the area of twenty five to thirty five percent of all revenue. Um, so that's how Epic has been pulling people over to their side. The issue though is that uh, Steam is an old and feature rich platform. And the Epic platform is not feature-rich. It's missing a ton of content, uh, a ton of functionality. So, the, so, Ro- so you're bringing this up because Rocket League is currently on Steam. Correct. Uh, but, Psionics, but Steam only accounts for a small percentage of their users. Right. Their other platforms are uh, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And... But the features that are on Steam are the reason that people like Steam. Um, the big one being cloud saves, which means that if I uninstall a game from my computer and then reinstall it, then my save data comes back. I'm back on the same level I was on in the first place. I don't lose anything. On the Epic Store, if you delete and then reinstall, you've lost all your local progress. Um, the, the way that Epic handles achievements and reviews and all that kind of stuff is... Not great. And people are upset that part of Epic is owned by a Chinese corporation, Tencent, which makes everybody wonder what data they're collecting, what they're doing with it, and that kind of stuff. Um, But the reality is, is the business of video game development is cutthroat and horrifyingly bad and studios that make amazing stuff close down all the time and people become unemployed by the hundreds all the time and epic buying psionics 
means that those people are going to have jobs, that the psionic studio is safe for a good amount of time, and that they're under the direction of a company that has known what it's doing for decades. Um, and it's not out of the blue. Psionics worked with Epic, which generates the Unreal Engine as well in the past. So this isn't Psionics' first interaction with Epic. They've worked with Epic for a long, long time. And Epic saw that there was a revenue stream that they could tap into, and that's what they're doing. Now, we have a friend who works for Psionics, but I haven't reached out to him yet and asked him what he thinks is going on and what it's going to be like. Um, I know he's working on the... of the game, which has had issues. so sure you're supposed to be talking about that. If there were a thing, I don't believe there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually went to the ball game with him uh, this week, and yeah, he he gave me his feedback. He, he basically he he shared a lot of things with me. I'm not sure what I can share and what I can't share, but uh, the one thing he, he shared with me is he he personally is excited about it. A, a lot of people uh, at Psionics is they're they're all excited about it. Um, they, they all see it as a win. Absolutely. For for the company, um, it is a win. So um, that's good. It means money yeah. for them, and it also means future projects and licenses that they might not necessarily have access to before. Uh, if you want to buy a license for yeah. a game that's going to make a billion dollars, you have to fork over $10 million just to be able to use that character. And, and yeah. So, yeah, some, some of the interesting things, some of the interesting things, if you're a fan, uh, or if you're somebody who's been, you know, on the outskirts thinking about it, some of the interesting things that that to keep an eye out for and to take in consideration. And again, I'm not, I'm not sharing anything. I'm not telling you any any conversation we did or did not have. But uh, some of the things that, that to take in consideration is Epic. Uh, their big thing is Fort Fortnite. It's a huge, uh, huge platform for them. I mean, everybody's heard of Fortnite. And Fortnite is free. Uh, currently, Rocket League is a paid product. I mean, so how how does that play out in the future is going to be is is going to be interesting. Um, well, it will be free. They I they announced that. that. Okay, no, then, but you, um, I, I don't I don't believe anything you say. Uh, because I'll tell you, one of Epic's main platform appeals is that every month they release a game that is on their platform for free. And with this acquisition, they have a timeline for ending sales on the Steam store by the end of 2019 and starting sales in the Epic store in 2020. And the revenue model for Rocket League right now is based off of the Rocket Pass sales. They're making more money off of that than they made off of sales of the game. The game was $30 and a monthly Rocket Pass is $10. So if you're playing it for three months, you bought the game again. Yeah. Epic loves this model. That's why Fortnite is free. And this model fits perfectly in with releasing Rocket League for free on the Epic Store. So I would be amazed if they charged money for Rocket yeah. League. I think I think the whole Steam relationship is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well and to see what uh what comes of that. Um I, I think that that is actually I don't think there's a, a real clear path on anything that that's been discussed yet for for that. So that that's going to be interesting. But but yeah, like I said, the 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 people at Psionics seem super excited about it. Our our friend seems uh, really happy about it, and I'm happy for him. So you know, we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, like I said, I just think that the. People are assholes, especially as consumers. They just want something to complain about. <laughs> but I, th- I think this is a win-win for everyone involved. It's been on Steam for three years. Like, if you didn't buy it, why didn't you buy it? Yeah. Why do you care? Yeah. You either own it now, or you don't care. Exactly. And it will, it will still be supported on the Steam Store too. They'll still have all the functionality. It literally won't affect you. <laughs> All right, I think this is a good spot. I think we had a good show. What do you say? We wrap, wrap it up. up. Episode 151. There we go, man. In the can. In the can. Not in the can. In the can. We're done. 
Did you have something else, Thomas? No, I've, I've got oh, nothing. Okay. I, I think this... Uh, great, great. No, All right, don't episode kill 151, it. PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep, Keep it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.